Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. This is Luis Sanchez. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Scott Callantine. Welcome to the episode. Let's get started. Welcome to the 30th episode of season two. If that sounds like a lot, well, it kind of is. <laughs> Thank you for staying with us, listening to the episodes of Keeping It Simple. We have an important announcement. Today is going to be the last episode of season two. Season three will come in the fall of 2022. Yep. So during the summer, we're going to try something new by releasing one episode a month. Stay tuned for those. We have some cool guests already lined up. It's going to be great. Those might be more one-off episodes with some really good content. Interesting folks that we want to introduce to our audience. Part of this is the summer looks a little bit different in the Northwest, and we want to be flexible. Yeah. Another part of that is, you know, for those listening in the future and coming back to this episode, it's not really going to apply that much to you. You're going to be able to click the next episode. For <laughs> those right. listening live, we're going to take a little bit of a pause, a little bit lighter summer, and then hit the ground running in the fall. Yeah. But make sure you stay connected to us, too, and make sure you go back and listen to some other episodes. Email us at media at simplechurchcollective.com. We want to hear from you guys, and we want to interact with you guys. If you have any questions or any kind of episode ideas, feel free to send those along as well. Yeah, so stay tuned for more coming out. But season two has been an absolute blast. We started with our Irreducible Minimum series, talking about the ecclesial minimums of a simple church and of the Simple Church Collective. We've had guests such as Matthew Erickson, and he talked through co-vocational and fundraising. He's right here local with us. We had Antanasio in Latin America and talking through microchurches in the Latin America context. We had Bill Kokenauer from Tampa and talking through Exponential. We've had Dave and Elena Reynolds from South Cali. Oh, geez. And they've been around around the church planting world for a while. Yep. We had Emily Diaz with Stadia and some of her connections, and even connections to the KC Underground. We had Myron Pierce in Omaha, some of his entrepreneurial uh, endeavors. We had Ralph Moore recently talking about Hope Chapel and, and what's going on there. And then... The big thing we had kind of closing down the last third of this season was the APES series. Yeah. And we had a lot of variety of guests, some from the KC Underground, some from other places. And it was really good to have them join us. I think of Carlos in Texas, Mm -hmm. Dusty in Boise, uh, Ashley in Salem, um, again with Ralph and Brian. We had Bree from the Kansas City Underground. KC represented up in here. We love our friends in KC. And then Ralph. Yeah, OGA type. So it's been a really awesome season. Yeah. And I feel like we've begun to find some of our footing. In season one, we were trying to find that. Season two, I think we have found that in a lot of ways. And I'm excited jumping into season three, what that could be like. And it's going to be good. And when we think about season three, just kind of a little looking forward a little bit. We looking at maybe more, even going even more practical, you know, talking to people about what it's like for them to. Uh, do micro churches or simple churches in their space and some of the stuff that they've learned kind of bumps and bruises that have come with that and also encouragements, you know, to future simple church leaders. So stay tuned for that. We're going to become even more, you know, practical looking at season three and having some more practical uh, um, episodes for sure. And hoping to have some more awesome guests, you know, we love having guests. So today, as we kind of wrap up the season, we wanted to address like a, a, a part A and part B of a question. 
Why micro and why now? Right. To land the plane of season two where we've kind of laid some of our groundwork and our foundation and talked practically about our structures and who we are, what we're doing. Why are we pursuing the micro and why are we pursuing it right now? Mm-hmm. So first, let's frame, what do we mean by micro? Mm-hmm. When, we, when we think about micro, right, we, you know, as opposed to macro or just to kind of give you guys some language or some people will say the predominant model, the Sunday-centric the mega form church. of church people. Yeah. On the, on the opposite side of micro is mega, right? Yeah. But not every church is mega. Most churches, um, I think in America, are like 75, 60 to 75 people on a Sunday morning that yeah. gather. Um, uh, so, so more specifically, I think it's a Sunday morning-centric model or the predominant model um, of, of church. So micro is, uh, you know, we use that language or we use a, at home here, we use a simple church language to talk about, um, church in its most simplest form. In its smallest form. In its smallest form, right? It can be more than this, but it cannot be less than this. And here at the Simple Church Collective, we've talked about, um, the four key elements that a church must have in order to be called the church, Right. Um, is worship, community, mission, and leadership development. Some other other people have found other what they would call irreducible minimums. For but for us, those are the four that we discerned. They could have more elements than this, but they can't have less elements than this, right? Yeah, the church has to consist of these four. Yep. And what we talk about is we always start with mission. We always start with mission and helping people identify who they're called to, right, and how. Uh, they're going to reach them. So that's a little bit of the language right there. Yeah. So micro, when we say the micro, it's the smaller, it's probably the more flexible um, expression of the church. Other people in other places call simple churches micro churches or missional communities, um, maybe cells or these different languages. Um, It's all, all the same idea. But they're they're not all the same thing. There's like nuances with each one of those two. So I just don't want to throw those out and kind of, Put those all in the same bucket, but very all similar things. I would say on this, you know, similar paradigms, right? Yep. So for us, we're here in the greater Seattle area. Why do we believe that the micro expression is best for us here in this context in the greater Seattle area? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. I think that that's a question that everybody should ask, you know, like, hey, why is Jesus calling us to? And I think part of what, why it applies in Seattle. Um, maybe why it applies across the board in other places. And just to say this, like my understanding and in my experience is that the American church and the church of Seattle is kind of late to the party, right? The, the church abroad and the majority church in the majority world has already been seeing and experiencing disciple making movements and uh, church, you know, house church planting movements, you know, if you think about Iran, you think about China, you think about Korea, you think about other places like East Africa and other places like they've been running with this India and other places. America's kind of late to the party because we've been kind of in this season of the predominant model, right? And so I think in part, COVID helped push the conversation and helped kind of push uh, 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 the imminency of why um, this has worked across the globe, right? And so for us, if the question is why micro in Seattle, why now? I think the the answer to that is twofold. I think um, because of stuff like uh, COVID, 
um, it forced us to to create an alternative to mm-hmm. um, to, to be smaller. Yep, yep. Right? To 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 meeting on Sunday morning, um, but I think also, you know, also there's we're we're in this cultural moment right here in the U.S. and particular here, particularly here in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest, where people are beginning to ask questions about their faith, not that they haven't been asking, but are being more intentional about it. Particularly people in my generation and the generation after me, um, they're starting to ask questions and beginning to distill their faith. Like, what is what are the essentials? Essentially, and asking the question, like, what are the additives? Mm. And so part of the language that we've been saying is, like, why we're discovering micro, rediscovering um, the simpler forms of church is, like, we want to go back to the beginning. And people said this to, to at the beginning of COVID, like, hey, we want to go back to the, the way things used to be. I don't think that's going to happen, right? But I think what Jesus is inviting us is to rediscover, right, the ways of the 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 early church and rediscover the values of the early church and rediscover the go, way that go he, way back he's yes designed the thing yet so going back but going if we're gonna go back let's go way back right and rediscover the values and the practices yeah. of the early church and I think what's happening we're in this cultural moment right now at at least here in Seattle I know about other cities in in, in America but I you know but I'd venture to say and kind of even wager a bit. They, it's probably happening in other places with people like us and like me who are saying, hey, what is true to the faith and what are some additives? And I don't think yeah. people are trying to throw out the faith altogether, but some people are asking those questions. And I think if we ask that question deeply, uh, I think we arrive at the same, like, what are true forms of gathering and what do we really, really need? So part of the answer to that question is like we're in this cultural moment that provides us a space to begin to ask that question. Um, you know, what does it actually mean to be a church, right? And and mm. and how can we do that faithfully? So we go back, look at the Book of Acts, look at the early church, read some of the early um, church writings, and then we go f- back from there, right? And in, in addition to that, um, Seattle, the Greater Seattle area. Most cities in the United States are fairly diverse, but I'd say the greater Seattle area is also very diverse from, you know, King County, Snohomish County, down to Pierce County and the Tacoma area. And, you know, we consider that the greater Seattle area still. People are scattered across the world. There's a diversity. There's diaspora, um, the diaspora, however you want to pronounce that word. Brian Sanders in his book, Micro Churches, says, I think it'd be fair to say the church scattered in the diaspora was more true to Jesus than the church expressing itself as an institution. Now, we're not anti-institutional church, but there is a lot of mistrust for the institutional, the traditional mm. church experience. And so the micro is the other side of that. Like It's a coin. When one side's more the institutional, the other side is the micro, yeah. the flexible. Um, and there's just people here that will relate more to the micro, the simple church, more than they will, you know, the institutional side of the church. And so knowing our context and trying to know it better, that's, that's a reason I believe that in the Seattle area, the micro expression is for us, yeah. right? And we will see more growth and more traction happening because there is this disconnection, this 
diaspora around the world and diaspora here in our context of different people groups, different cultural groups, and they will relate better to a micro church than they will a simple, you know, they will relate in a simple church better than they will um, in the, in the big thing. I think for some people that's going to be the case, right? Um, And here's the thing. I think what you're saying is context is key, right? Like, like knowing your context and, and, and discerning that, you know, we have one simple church that we have going right now with our Spanish speaking base and in with the Spanish speaking simple church that we got going, we actually just met with them this week and um, they're actually wanting some of the more traditional aspects of church because they're, they're missing that. And their understanding of church is like, Hey, we, we want to be singing some more songs. We want to be doing more things together. They, we want to be on mission together. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. Let's do it. Part of what we're saying is like we're not anti the institution, um, but what Jesus is calling us to right now in this moment is discovering simpler forms of church. And so we might have to pepper in some of those more kind of routines and some of the those more um, things in a in a traditional church models. Yeah, yeah um, because that's knowing your context, right? In Spanish speaking context. Singing is something that folks do, and partying is something that folks do, and so peppering in and kind of like having like a hybrid expression might be the case for them as well. So, yeah. So I think that that's I think that that's knowing your context is key for us answering the question why micro why now in Seattle. Part of the answer to that question is because we sense that that's together that that's where the Lord was calling us, and I think mm. that that's true. If you're going to do this and you're doing it just because it makes sense in your mind and not because Jesus has called you to this. I don't know that that's the right reason to go into this, right. To go into launching a just because it makes sense. But if it makes sense to you and you get the sense that the spirit is giving you a green light, then go for it. But you need to sit with this. It, it, we did not make this decision. If you guys know anything about our story, we were a predominant church plant and COVID hit. But then we entered a season to prayer and fasting. I mean, you'll remember that. We even had an entire weekend. We did a retreat. We read a book called Micro Churches Together that you've already referenced yep. by Brian Sanders, uh, one of the founders at the Tampa Underground. And um, we brought in a, a third voice to come kind of help us kind of uh, ask us some hard questions, talk about mission, and then help discern together a way forward for our then, like, predominant church plant, you know, predominant model church plant. Um, and then we eventually switched gears and said, we feel like the Lord's calling. So we didn't m- make that a hasty decision. Yeah. And true to form, uh, we didn't make that decision. One person didn't make that. Like, it wasn't like I made that decision. I said, we, d- we, we did that as a group. Right. And so yeah. I said, Hey, how you get, let's, let's do this. Let's bring someone else. Let's have a conversation about it. And then together we, we, we said, we feel like the Lord is moving mm. in this direction. Yeah. There's something about the small gathering that builds community that people need right now. Right. Like, we can't disregard, as of 2022, in the last two years of COVID Mm -hmm. and isolations and shutdowns and all these things, loneliness was a problem before COVID, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. social isolation and people having meaningful friendships and relationships and being in community has been a problem for a while. It has only gotten worse. Mm. It's only been more difficult for people to re-engage in the world, 
to get off of social media and to have in-person friendships, right? IRL. In real life, yeah, mm-hmm. and stop abbreviating everything. <laughs> right? <laughs> See, another, Brian, Brian Sanders also says in Microchurches, we want to be small so that we can be mobile and available to offer contextual witness to every kind of person in every kind of place. By being small, we can offer contextual witness yeah. to, to any and each person, right? Not that Mia Scott is going to reach 200,000 people or something, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't have that kind of capacity. Yeah. <laughs> but there could be 20 people or 30 people that I have really intimate relationships yeah. with, that, and then they have other relationships yeah. with people, and it, and it multiplies because of this small community building friendships and really meeting people where they are at, which right now is lonely, yeah. right? A lot of people are lonely. I think so. I think you're right about that, Scott, because um, I think more and more, more and more studies are coming out about that. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I love therapy, right? And therapy, I wish I had more money to, to do therapy more often. And I've only, if you find yourself a good therapist, stick with them, right? But I've only ever yeah. had good um, stuff come out of seasons where I've leaned into therapy and 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 what you're finding right now is that therapists are hard to find. There's a shortage of therapists for the amount of people that are seeking therapy. Yeah. In in um our area proper, I, I read somewhere that Redmond, right, uh, which is a city adjacent to Seattle, where a lot of the execs and people that work at Microsoft and other like is the most anxious city per capita in America. They're on more anti-anxiety medication than anywhere in the U.S. That's in our metropolis right here. That is literally in the greater Seattle area, literally the people that we're trying to reach, right? And so there's more people wrestling with things like loneliness, anxiety, depression, you know, and that kind of thing than ever before. And also, and here's the good thing, though, more people leaning in. Yeah. And saying, hey, I need help. More people learning language saying, hey, man, I, I need to lean in and ask some questions and do the work, you know, um, the, the, the inner work and that kind of thing. And that it's, it's people inside of the church and outside of the church. Yeah. And I think all, you know, I think that's been one of the beautiful things that's come out of this is that more people um, have been exposed to their need to emotional health. And I think that the church... Cr- can create specifically micro spaces, right? Yeah. Can create a place where people can really have those conversations and move forward and go deeper, and where people who are further along the continuum of following Jesus can come back and say, "Hey, where do you think God is in all of this?" Yeah, right. That the and, person maybe who's received some level of healing, right? Yep has has found. Is drawn closer to Jesus, right? Yeah. There's only so much healing on this side of eternity, right? Right. But someone further along can bring others with them, and invite them into exactly. their community, yeah, into say, their hey, life. Let's explore this together. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. So, uh, so I, I think that micro expressions can do. Somebody once said, "Well, what about, um, what about introverts?" Right? They'll, they'll ask the question in micro spaces in simple churches. What about introverts? Are you, are you keeping introverts out? Right? Because introverts don't do so well in you know, in public spaces. But that's the beautiful thing, though, about micro spaces is that you're probably meeting with less than 20 people, right? Um, and an introvert will probably be, will have two to three friends if they're a true introvert, right? Or, you know, 
mind you, I don't know a lot about introverts. So sorry for speaking for some of you, but I, I yeah, do, don't don't speak I do for us like out, that. I do hang out with a lot of you, Scott, and 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 you'll probably be connected to two or three people in that room that you really want to have a deep relationship yeah. in, and then it creates space for people to lean in, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not overwhelmed because you're not in a room of 120 people or 500 people, you know? Yeah. And then you're actually, and we talked about proxemics, right? Uh, on yeah, a we prior did an episode, episode, yeah. You know, creates an environment for you to actually go deeper. Yeah, I, I would say uh, I'll speak, I will speak for all introverts here. I'm gonna make that bold statement. Come on, come on. That we would rather be in the micro space and have a few meaningful relationships from that rather than attend a any service and man, I hate the greeting times in services. <laughs> it's as an it's honestly the worst. Like I don't want to shake your hand. This two minutes of weird awkwardness is when am I gonna see you again? Like I don't love it. But I do love the micro and I see you every week, yeah. maybe multiple times in my week and right. we talk. Right. And like and we have real depth. friendships. Absolutely. There's real depth to yeah. the micro space that I need. I want. And, exactly. and it happens, I get that more in this space than I do others. So, so don't hear what we're not saying, right? What we're not saying is that we're anti-Sunday morning model. We're anti-prevailing um, uh, model. We're anti, no, that's, but we, we do feel like in this moment, there's this invitation. And I, let me speak in the eye. I feel like in this moment, the Spirit is inviting us to rediscover the forms, the patterns, the values, and the rhythms of the early church, and, and that this is... A more and more a viable option yeah. for people that are, are not already engaged or the disengaged, mm. right? I think micro and simple forms of church are becoming more and more viable for people who are either not engaged or disengaged, people that are outside of the church. And I'll tell you a story about that right now. A couple of, you know, maybe like in February, we launched a simple church um, in our neighborhood. And dude, we we didn't seek out already Christian people. We didn't seek out um, people that were, um, um, you know, uh, disconnected from the church. We just wanted to love and bless our neighbors, all of our neighbors, right? And um, many of them didn't even know what we were doing when we first started this, right? They're like, oh, these are just the nice people that are throwing, you know, barbecues in, in the neighborhood. And we were, we were just the nice people. And at, when we first moved into the neighborhood, we weren't, even looking at simple forms of church, we're looking to, you know, uh, go large. Um, but when we launched this thing in February, we realized for whatever reason, this particular micro expression has drawn people that are disenfranchised from the church, people that grew up in the church. We got a couple, a couple of pastor kids uh, who, for whatever reason, feel safe in our space. Um, they, they have wounds. They have deep wounds and deep trauma, some of it is church, some of it is, you know, other stuff, but um, but they're rediscovering this, you know? And so I think, and they will not go to a Sunday morning expression. Nope. They're not doing it. And so it's a viable option. Micro is a viable option for people who will not go, mm. right? And maybe at some point down the line, they'll, they'll go. Maybe they will never go. We have some people that come to a micro, our micro expression, the same one. Who he's married to a former pastor's kid, um, and he, he wants nothing to do with the church, but he comes. Why? Because we're creating that community that you're talking about. He feels comfortable in that community, right? Mm-hmm. He feels comfortable uh, 
having a beer and talking about Jesus and interjecting his kind of sly remarks. And he and he and his wife told us at the beginning, like, hey, this is going to happen. And I love that because they felt safe enough to say, man, listen, we're coming to this thing, but we're going to be ourselves. And that's exactly what we want. Right. Yeah. We want people because Jesus, as he did the Samaritan woman at the well, meets us exactly where we are. Absolutely. And microspaces create spaces for that to happen. Mm. Yes. So in this as of right now, we are in the spring of twenty twenty two. Um, what makes us confident in the micro? We call them simple churches. Why are we so confident in the simple churches? And where do we see this going? So first thing is because we feel like Jesus, I feel like Jesus hasn't changed his mind about the trajectory that he has us on, right? So we fasted, we prayed, we discerned a way forward, and we feel like he is... He's in it. He's in it. Yeah, and he's opening doors. So that's the second thing. We're starting to see fruit from the work that we've done, the relationships that we're building, and the Lord is opening doors. We felt like the Lord was calling us to the greater Seattle area, and we've asked the Lord to move us closer and closer to the core of the city because the Lord has been, we felt like that was the assignment. Mm-hmm. And today we're recording um, in Seattle proper through a partnership that we developed with one of our friends here in, in Seattle, and the Lord is doing that, right? And so when we first started this thing, we started it, you know, uh a little bit outside of the city in Arlington. And now more and more, the Lord is moving us closer and closer to, to Seattle. Um, also, because we feel like we're in the right space culturally and in history, right? Um, why micro? Because culturally, we have an opening right now as people are beginning to distill their faith. And because in history, there's no better time in, since I've been born that people are saying, what about this other thing? They're, they're willing to explore um, more simple forms of church. And when you think about what's happening in the future, I don't know, right? The answer is, I don't know. But the sense that I'm getting is that, um, I don't know if you've, you've, you've ever heard about this, but there's, um, there's a guy named um, Everett Roger, and he talks about the, the diffusion of innovation scale. And he talks about how things change. Um, and change um, is led um, by by innovators, right? And then followed by early adopters of that thing, then an early majority, then the late majority, and then the laggards, he calls. Yeah, like if you were a early adopter of Bitcoin in 2012, you making bank right now. And, you know what I mean? Like, and you and you and you and you, and you didn't sell, right? Yeah, like if you didn't sell, you would be in a great financial place right now, right? Right. And so and so what I think is happening in this moment, I feel like the future, um, I do feel like this thing is beginning to 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 take hold. Um the early adopt the the innovators or the pioneers are about two and a half percent of the population. The early adopters are about thirteen and a half percent of the population, early majority thirty-four percent of the population, late majority about thirty-four percent of the population, then the laggards sixteen percent. The innovators have led the way, the pioneers have led the way, um, and the early adopters, and I would, I would put us in that category in the wider conversation. In some spaces, we're pioneering this conversation, but, it, but I feel like what we're doing is creating a scaffolding and creating and, and laying down a, a, a foundation, right, 
um, mm. obviously Jesus is the foundation, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but but we're making sure that Jesus is the core of the thing that we're doing, and disciple making, it, you know, is a close second, right, to what we're doing, um, because that's what we feel that Jesus has called us to do, and so, and so, as early adopters, we feel like we're in this, we're creating the scaffolding, we're creating the roads that others that are behind us will come and travel on where yeah. the early majority will come the late majority and eventually the laggards so here's the reality what we're doing right now here in the greater seattle area and who we're influencing through our voices and through you know um the the stuff that we're doing through the podcast and other things what we're saying is we are willing to risk right now yeah. um any social capital we have any kind of time that we have because we believe so much that this is going to be a viable form of disciple making for years to come um that the uh, early majority is going to hop on that the late majority and that the laggards will eventually hop on and here's the reality right and and don't let it frustrate you whoever's listening um bill kokenauer um man i love wise folks right what well, folks have been around that have tried different things older folks i love hanging out with older folks because they'll just zing you with some stuff from time to time. And, and and Bill said to me something along the lines, and I'm going to paraphrase. He said, do not be surprised if one or two like spiritual generations away, like two, two spiritual generations away, the thing that you're building, the people that take over for what we're doing, um, it doesn't look anything like what you guys originally built. Right? Hmm. Talk about not being married, right, to the thing that we're building. Because ultimately what we want is the thing that we're building to point to Jesus, right, and to create um, systems that are agile enough to be able to evolve as time comes, to be able to make disciples that make disciples in any context, in a gathered forms and scattered forms, mm. right? And so as we look to the future, that's more like the 30,000-foot view. But what we're, what we're wanting to do here in the Seattle area is create hubs that will train, empower, coach, and, and release people that will make disciples, right? And create this other thing uh, where people are networked so that no one is out here doing disciple-making yeah. on their own, right? And so as early adopters, we're building this thing, and one or two— you know, spiritual generations of leaders that will take over this thing from now. It may not look like what it looks like today. And and I think part of that, our heart heart check is, are we okay with that? Are yeah. we okay with being fathers, right? Which is what the Lord has called us to do. That father of movement and that, you know, and, and not saying, hey, I'm building this thing for myself, but what, ultimately we're building this thing for Jesus, mm. right? Yeah, I mean, I I think of... Like, what kind of gives me confidence in a very similar way of the pioneering or early adopting aspects is the world is moving mm -hmm. further away from, like, centralization and more into decentralization. Yeah. Brian Sanders in Microchurches Again says, we are speeding towards a future where our most powerful communities will be understood through the lens of decentralized networks instead of centralized institutions. And we can see a level of decentralization happening. I mean, 
the fact that most of the world operated online and functioned online for a year or two is an is an evidence to hey there's like an element of decentralization like we don't all have mm-hmm. to be centralized yeah. people don't have to go to the office building to get their work done necessarily yeah. there's that's decentralization in and of itself but there's uh things like uber yeah. is a is a great example of a decentralized business experience where they have drivers that go out and do it you know like there's uber uber eats and there's drivers it's of different levels yeah. and the platforms and lift and now your your groceries can be delivered you know whether it's amazon truck right to your door or go to walmart and just pick them up and leave like the world is becoming more and more decentralized in some ways i think it is a really good thing because it there's a level of like innovation and refreshing in some ways i can see i can see the shadow side of that mm-hmm. of where you could isolate really easily yeah. like if all you, if everything you do is decentralized and there's no community you know you're ordering your groceries through amazon and mm-hmm. your uber eats driving you're not getting to know people in your life really there is a shadow side to it but the world is moving towards decentralization so as a church how do we either do that at the same time or get to that curve before it hits us Rather than lag behind yeah. in how the world is going to be operating, yeah. how do we merge with the the relevancy, the movement of the world towards this decentralization? I think that is in the microspace. That's through things like the Simple Church Collective, yeah. and which gives me hope for the future that those who are behind us are going to even be more decentralized, yeah. that they're yeah. going to have different vision that's going to implement like we might build the framework for something yep. and in 15 years someone else is going to have some other awesome way to, to innovate it and, and push it further and make more disciples because they decentralized more or or yep. something along those lines i don't i don't know you and know, i think that that's why the, know, the, the foundation that we build is important right yes when we think about like uh the culture that we want to build here and the type of Simple churches and why you know the 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 how of simple churches, um, and, we, and I forgot who we stole this from, or, you know who I stole this from, but there's got to be Jesus centered, right? Simple churches need to be Jesus centered, um, simple. They need to be flexible. They need to be cost effective, right, um, or inexpensive and easily reproducible. I'm going to say those once again: Jesus centered, simple, flexible, inexpensive, and easily reproducible, right. Um, because the reality is, um, there's also a financial kind of situation too, right? Church buildings and like, and more and more, I mean, even when people, um, I've heard a couple of stories of people that just didn't renew their lease, like companies that here in the area, like software companies and other places, they're like, you know what? Um, we can all be working from home and, you know, once a year have a gathering or twice a year have a gathering where all the office comes together and we cast vision and that kind of thing. But we don't need to be paying for a building every single year. That's been one of the bonuses for us mm. in the middle of all of this in the last two years is that the work that we're doing is pretty inexpensive, right? It's pretty inexpensive. And so um, that's a reality. I think moving forward, it's, it's only going to become more and more true, right? And even in the space that we are right now, we're in a um, uh, traditional like 
church space in this physically right now, but there's over 12 organizations that gather here that help to float um, the way that this space functions and operates. But not only that, but the community seems a little bit more together because there's a clinic here. There are other um, uh, nonprofits that function out of here, um, faith-based nonprofits and that kind of thing. And so more and more, I think that the world is, yes, uh, becoming more decentralized, but at the same time, um, starting to work together in unison. Yeah, so that um, it's more synergetic, and then there's almost like less waste, right? Um, um, you know, and more yeah. more optimally. And so, I think we're heading in the right direction yeah. because Jesus is with us. Um, you know, I feel more and more incompetent each day, to be honest with you. You know, but. We're totally reliant on the Spirit. Yeah. If the Lord doesn't do this thing, and we've said that from the beginning, unless the Lord builds a house, then we're laboring in vain. And that's a good thing to have for me. It's like, Jesus, show up, right? And you need to show yeah. up. So as we kind of begin to wrap up this episode, I mean, again, thank you guys for listening to this season. It's been such a great time with you guys. Let's briefly take, you know, as we close here, what's coming up for the Simple Church Collective over the next maybe six to 12 months? So over the next six to 12 months, we're looking to grow our disciple maker team by at least 50%, right? So we're looking to grow um, the people that we're making disciple with um, here in this area. We're also looking to finish our calling and discovery process of cohort number one. Um, we've been putting our people through. We learned a bunch. Um, we've got some th- ways to make it better and looking to maybe even start cohort number two, um, especially if our current disciple making team grows by at least 50%. We want to put um, all of our disciple makers through our calling and discovery process. Um, we'd love to see our existing number of gatherings and simple churches grow to meet those irreducible minimums, right? of worship, community mission, and leadership development. And um, one of the things that we want to do too is teach during our equipping gatherings, which happen on Sunday, specifically on sustainability models within um, the simple church context and what that looks like, sustainability models and um, generosity. And then the last thing is um, focusing on like being and living on mission. Uh, one of the things that we've got going on um, we thought about is like a specific emphasis every fifth Sunday on living outwardly. All of our communities should be living outwardly anyway, but specifically leading from the top, you know, on the fifth Sunday, serving somewhere in your local community or serving um, your network in a tangible way. Um, and even then, what we're looking at, right, over the next, again, six to 12 months is continuing our network, um, uh, developing the networks um, that we need to develop so that we mm-hmm. can reach more people right here in the greater Seattle area and then multiply the impact that the Lord has has um, um, asked us to have here in the area. So moving closer and closer to the core of the city and, and developing that first hub um, where we're training, coaching, and equipping people. And we've got some cool conversations going right now. I'm not going to give too much about that. Yeah. But, but some pretty cool stuff of how we can develop a pipeline of disciple makers to use our language for leaders and for future simple yeah. church planters. Everyone is called to be a church planter, right? Um, but what we need to look at is it doesn't need to look the same for everyone. 
Yeah. Right. Everyone's called to make disciples. And the reality is if you make disciples, right. Churches happen on the other side of that. Right. And it doesn't have to be like a, a big, big building. Right. But just if you plant a church, you don't always get disciples. Yeah. You don't always get disciples. So what we want to create is a culture of disciple making and disciples will find a way to gather. Right. Yeah. And we'll, f- we'll find a way to do worship, community mission, and leadership development. So that's what we're looking forward to in the next six to 12 months. Well, coming back for season three, we hope to touch base on some of these things that have happened, are happening, will happen. Stay tuned for those kind of episodes yeah. as they come out later in the fall. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Keeping It Simple and listening to season two. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of Keeping It Simple. This is the finale of season two. We have more episodes coming out in the summer and in the fall of 2022. Stay tuned for season three as it comes out. Please like, review, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Thank you guys for listening to season two of Keeping It Simple.